0: What a great day in the Lord. Every day in the Lord's house is a good day. Amen. Um, just super thankful. Wednesday night was, was awesome. Getting to hear testimonies and, and thankfulness from the whole church. I mean, that was just a, a special time. I want to say how much I appreciate. There were some things that were said that really challenged my heart um, by many of you. <laughs> I was just sitting back listening going, wow, this is, uh, there's a lot of the positive Christ in the people in this church. And I love getting to hear it, and I love to hear testimonies of what God is doing and what you're doing in the Lord. I love what God is doing, and I'm going to share tonight what God's doing in my heart, a little more than, than just a sermon, um, kind of get real with you a little bit. There's some things God is doing, I think, in all of us. I think the more that we uh, explore this move and the life God's put on us and different things we're doing, I think we're getting revealed kind of where we're at and what God's doing in each of us. So I'm going to share a little bit of that tonight. Uh, the top of my message is called Total Investment. I'm going to tell you it's part one because I'm not done. It's total investment, and I'm just, I think I'm learning part one. I think I've got enough down I can share with you where I'm at where my heart is, and hopefully it touches you tonight. Let's just pray before we get started. Lord, we just thank you for this time together, and, and God, what a blessing it is to, to meet with the brethren and to have you in the midst of your people. And God, I know that you're here. So I ask you, Lord, if you would speak a word from you. And God, as I testify and give testimony, Lord, that's only good if you're at the center of it. If you've done something in my life and my heart and I can share that, God, then then a life might be touched and and, and you will be glorified. And you said, if we lift you up, you'll draw all those unto you. And so that's what we want to do tonight. I pray that you'd give me the favor and the blessing to, to speak a true word and open the hearts of those here tonight. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So total investment, I, I, many of you have testified about this job that, I've, that I'm doing, and it's, it's a little more than a job. Um, I've worked for BG Products for 16 years now, but for 15 years, I was, a, I was kind of more of a manager, a sales manager of a territory in California, but I wasn't an owner. I was a manager, and, uh, and, and I began to think back at, maybe some years ago, it would be really easy if I just owned it. I just owned this part of the business. Now, those of you that own businesses know that that's kind of an immature way to think. It's a little bit, you think your bosses know better, you think they, or you think you know better than your bosses, and, and such and such. And I'm, not, I'm guilty of that. As I was making sales, and, and it was a very high-pressure type of sales job, I, I dealt with car dealerships who are multimillionaires, and I dealt with a lot of money and things with them. But I began to walk around thinking that I could just step into an ownership role own my own business, and it would just be seamless. And then the Lord gave me this opportunity to do that out here. And uh, I'm getting my, my rear handed to me, as they say. Brother Austin, you and I have talked a little bit. It's fun. It's good. It's really, really humbling. Um, despise not the chastening of the Lord. So so I'm loving it. But what, what's happened is that I, I've, I've had some things revealed that my hard-headed flesh has been intercepting some spiritual concepts from me, for a few years and when the lord sometimes does a thing as in moving us and changing a lot of perspective and a lot of location and a lot of things of comforts that we've had it will allow some spiritual things to come to light. and without that without this kind of a move i don't think i would have seen some of these things for many years if ever and so um, scripture says that we are being perfected god says be perfect as he is perfect but that word is not without flaw. That word's completion. That, that, that's this Greek word teleos. It's, and we've heard this many times. For those of you that have not, it's coming to a wholeness and a completion. And you know he who is faithful, who started a good work in you, is faithful to complete that work? Aren't you glad? But, but there, are some things, there are some parts of this that aren't that fun. There are some lessons to be learned that you're only going to learn behind the woodshed. Amen? Well, some of you parents, there's some lessons your children are only going to learn if there's a little bit of correction involved. But it's correction out of love. It's out of really instruction, not punishment. This is something that God has dealt with me for many years in. He's not out to punish, but to correct, instruct, educate, and help us to experience some things. So I never fully understood what total investment was. There's a word in the Scripture, pastors preached on it before, called a hireling. Hireling is somebody that's hired out to watch over the sheep. You've got a shepherd who's invested into his sheep. It's his livelihood. That is his family business, and it's the livelihood of not just him, but of of the people back home, his wife and his children, and and maybe even extended family. The hireling is hired, but he's got no real investment. He's got a paycheck coming. He's going to get paid to watch over the sheep, but he's not fighting off the wolf. He's just going to lose the sheep. But there's a total investment for the one who is the shepherd or an under-shepherd or a servant of the great shepherd. There is more investment that's going to be there. For me, I realized that I have been a hireling for my job for 15 years. I would consider myself a very good hireling. Dustin would be a very good hireling. We did, we did a good job out in California. We worked hard and we did a lot of things, but we were never invested. I come out here and I take over this territory and I begin to have expenses and I begin to pay taxes on a different level and I I begin to have to look out for the livelihood of my family. And for the first time in my life, I worked back to back 70 hour weeks and did not take a paycheck. That's weird. That's investment though. See, I didn't really realize that that would ever happen in my life, that I could actually work over 100 hours and receive no pay. Anybody ever thought? About that? I mean, if you've been, if you're an owner here tonight, you're like, yeah, yeah, dude. Wait till you work a thousand. I've already had that from a few people. Wait till you work a year and you have no profit. And I began to step praying. I, I was actually um, seeing some things come out of my life that I did not love. When a grape is squeezed, there's grape juice that comes out. You've heard that. When an orange is squeezed, what comes out? When a Christian is squeezed, what should come out? I saw Christ, and I saw old man. It was that kind of, and I still am dealing with that. I'm thinking, but, but Lord, I, you know, I'm different, and I am different than I was 20 years ago. There's no way about 20 years ago I could have done anything like this. But, but God began to show me, look, what's coming out under the pressure, it's not all good. There's some good, but it's not all good. There's some areas in your life you haven't given over to me. You see, there were some comforts that I had. There was some trust I had in my own ability, trust in my own success back where I was at in California that I did not give God the glory for, though I thought I did. You see, I gave lip service to it. Oh, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. God has blessed me. And then I go out and I make big sales and I champion that and I say, man, look at the dollars I have coming in. Look at all the money I have and all the things I'm doing and da-da-da-da-da. And that's all about me. And I'm blessed. And I have earned this, and God has given me that, and now it belongs to me. And as that's been squeezed, I've seen some of the uglier side of the flesh in my own life. So I started to look at the kingdom side of this, and I'm humbled in a new perspective. Because I've always thought of myself as an all-in Christian. All-in. And as I began to look, these last few months, really about six months ago, I was working for this corporate job traveling. I began to look and say, am I actually 100% or am I like 90%? <laughs> I started to look. And God was showing me something. There's an old Greek word that we've talked about a lot called epignosko. How many of you remember that term? See, there's a knowledge of God that's called Not, Pastor, I'd already had this written out, so you started talking about that today. and Okay, we're just in the same line on that part. There's a knowledge of God and understanding that many people have. They understand some things about the Lord. They can identify the cross and know this is Jesus. This is the Christ. This, this, Yes, yes, I know that he died for my sin, but do they really know him? And this Greek word, epigenosko, takes that knowledge and says, now this knowledge is fully experienced. You take that knowledge of, I can see the Lord, I can point him out, but now I live for him. And this Greek word epi, upon the word gonosco, it's upon knowledge. It is a constant understanding and living out in completion, in completeness, your knowledge of the Lord. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm saying, okay, I know this. I have done this in parts of my life. I I have done this in many ways. But what began to happen in my life in California was it got comfortable. It got routine. It got to be something that, I felt like I had already passed all of the hardship. I'd already gotten through. Well, well I had a very difficult childhood, so that was my hardship. But that, really, there are people with far worse childhoods than I had, and they're still going through hard times. I'm thinking, kind of in my heart and my mind, that I have come through it all, and I'm in a spot in my life where things are paid for. We're saving money. We're investing in our children, in in, in God, and in in life, and in physical things, and. Things are going on and on. And guess what? We're never going to move from Anderson. This is our home. Bless God, we're planted. And I begin to think these things, and I'm planning out our future, our retirements, what we're going to be doing with our children, our grandchildren. And I'm like, man, this is just good. Man, everything God wants me to be. No, she'd never get there. That's never a place you get to where you're done growing, where, you, where you've got everything established, where, where this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I don't have any more concern with growing the kingdom. I have no more concern with growing individually. I'm already grown. Now, I would never put that into words before. I would have told you, I'm still growing. I listen, I study, I pray. It wasn't until we moved that God uprooted some things that I said, man, I planted in the wrong bank. See, I'm supposed to be a tree planted by the banks of living water. I was planting my life a little bit too much in this world, a little bit too firm in this life. Thank God that he moved all of us, because I needed the move for that reason. I don't know what all of you had. I don't know if everybody had just totally different things, or maybe some of us were along the same lines. I don't know. But for me, there needed to be an uprooting so there could be a replanting. Amen. Okay, so to fully understand God, I need this experience. Romans 10, chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 10, verse two, 2 and 4. Romans chapter 10, verse 2 through 4. Paul's going to explain this probably in better words than me. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Uh, does that, are they already saved? There's some confusion in the church world today. I'm just going to pause quickly. Israel's not saved. What pastor preached this morning, Jesus is the door. The fullness of God is in Christ. If the fullness of God is in Christ, then the fullness of God is not in the temple. Didn't Jesus say he left that house desolate? I just want to point out that Israel's not saved. So if there's a t- an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who's of Jewish faith, please do. Okay, they're not going to the same, I'm sorry, it's Paul's words. My heart's desire and prayer is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Why? Because Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. This means there's no way for you and I to earn anything in the kingdom. Christ is the end of all righteousness. Your righteousness is of filthy rags. Okay, God wash me, cleanse me, save me. Played. I have an amazing wife, a great family. God heals my life. I begin to work. I grow and work. I, I begin to make money and I pay and I tithe and I give above and beyond tithe and I help others in the church. Guess what, God? Look at my righteousness now. Come on, that's not it. Because the end of all righteousness, it's in Christ. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to pick on anybody else. I'm telling you about me, that I didn't see it. I, I didn't even think I was there. I didn't realize that maybe I was in that mold. But this world twist and always gets you to think you're right, to think you're holy without God. I'm sorry, but your flesh doesn't want Christ in the middle of your life. It doesn't. You have to crucify the flesh to receive Christ. If you don't crucify the flesh, he's going to tell you you don't need Christ. Every day, he's going to say you need you. It's called humanism. It's happened since the beginning of time. And no man or woman is exempt. Every single one of us, pastor included, if we don't crucify the flesh, man, he will take over every time. Because your desires are bigger than God's desires in your own mind. That's what happens to every single one of us. And it was happening to me. And Paul said, look, they don't know God. There's no epigenosco experience of Christ anymore if you're not in Him. It's impossible. So I had job experience, and then I had a similar faith experience when it comes to investment. I need epigenosco, a full, complete, total investment of every part of my life. The amazing thing about faith, it's got to be walked out in your flesh. It's just you walk by faith, not by sight. You're going to serve the Lord spiritually first, but your physical body is going to follow that lead. You're going to do one of two things. And this is where I had gotten somewhat confused in those last years in California. You see, I, I was training my spiritual life to follow a fleshly pattern. Instead of training my fleshly life to follow a spiritual pattern. I was getting my flesh to line up, kind of with some spiritual things, but I was really training the spirit to line up with what I was doing. Does that make sense? And that's a very confusing way to live and to walk, but you don't see it until you can step back a little and get some perspective. And thank the Lord that He gave me plenty of that. The Lord faithfully provides a catalyst to change. Anybody know what the word catalyst means? I think Pastor might have preached this some time ago. I'm not a catalyst. Well, it's, it's a, a person or, or an event or a thing that precedes a major change. It's a catalyst in your life. Now, I didn't see moving here as a catalyst. I actually had for, for a few years in the making, like many of you. Oh, by the way, Heather, I finally wrote. Where is Heather at? I wrote the, uh, there you go. I wrote our story up. And in that story, I realized that it started all the way back when we started homeschooling. You know, Pastor Rodney brought, man, we got to look at education, guys. Pray about it. And I was thinking back then, dude, my girls are doing awesome in school. They're doing great. And then I went to an assembly one day at the school, and I saw things that I don't think should ever be involved in a sixth grade assembly. It was unbelievable. And so I had to step back and say, we need to unplug from the world. And school is the way we needed to. I'm not saying everybody has to. We needed to unplug and, get, and take control of our children's education. Our family decided we needed to do that. That was step one in leaving California. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's where it started for me, was I realized that it's getting harder and harder in this state to fight for the rights for my children. And it began this process in my heart, and that was when Haley was 13, so 10 years ago, it started. And here we get this process. But I never thought I'd actually move away. I thought maybe we would just be, like, unplugged from so many things around us we just live in a hill hill somewhere and be off the grid, you know, and all that stuff. I thought we'd get a, a church commune one day. Pastor, build us all cabins and make sure we got solar or whatever we need. We'll live off the land. It's going to be glorious. Um, God had different plans. But as the Lord faithfully does, he gets a catalyst in there. And, and And we had this final straw. We had enough. And our family, I thought this move was about us and our children's future for life, for existing in America. And it wasn't. It's about spiritual things as always with the Lord. It's about not staying in a rut, not staying complacent, not putting trust and hope in your own ability or your own blessing. The very blessings God gave me, not trusting in that. And something that I saw, I don't know if you guys have thought about this. The Lord uprooted for me everything that I was physically planted in in this life, but he kept one thing intact. He kept this. So spiritually, the one thing that I know my family needed more than anything else is the body of Christ. we need Jesus. But he's given us such a great body, and so the Lord uses this catalyst, and he uproots every physical thing we had trusted, every physical place of success, and, and everything we had done. That he broke up, the fallow ground, and he kept everything spiritual right. How in the world can we do this and still have all of you? I, don't even, I can't even believe that we're all here. And God needed to do something in my life personally. And so he has. What an incredible mercy of the Lord to help us unplug in my family from comfort and trust and things in this world, even things God blessed me with, and to see a new perspective. Go to Matthew 25. This is our text. I'm not going to try to speak long tonight. Somebody say amen. At least uh, Barb and Dwayne can be excited about that. have to stay twice in one day, and it's not that long. Matthew 25, verse 14. I want to talk to you about the parable of the talents. I know you've all seen this a ton. I, know you, I don't think we could preach anything in this church that most of you haven't heard before. But the Lord uses so many analogies. Something, Pastor, you said this morning. The Lord's going to get our attention. And He does, I am the door. He does, I am the vine. I am the great shepherd. He's going to find a way to talk to us. Well, he's talking to an old salesman right here. And this parable of the talents, I, if you look, do you ever identify in the Scripture with certain, like, careers and jobs? You know, like Peter's a fisherman. Any of you guys, like, Charlie's like, man, I love the fish. I'd love that. I'd love to go fishing with those guys. A pastor's a carpenter. Rodney's a carpenter. Some of you that have done that. I look and I, I just I identify with the merchants. I always think, man, they, they don't have it super. You, you think it's easy? These guys, they've got bodyguards with them. They're traveling dangerous roads and they're buying and selling, and they can't lose money. They've got to make a profit wherever they go. And as a sales-minded person, I'm always thinking, man, how did they do that back then? How did they take those wagons and protect them? And, and how are they making deals from one town to the next town? And they're you've got to buy and sell, and you you can't rip people off because you got to come back through that same town. You have the same people you're working with up and down those roads. And, man, how do you do it? I was just thinking. And then this particular parable strikes something with me. Matthew twenty five fourteen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another servant he gave one talent, each according to their own ability, and then he immediately left and went on his journey. A talent is a sum of money. This master is going to leave. Now, I don't know what job he did particularly. I kind of feel like there's some merchant Ties here. Now I'll explain that in a second. But he left this deposit of money with them. He he leaves it in their hands. He leaves. Now there's a few things I got to break down here that it really have taught me some some insight into total investment. The Lord called his own servants. Did you catch that? These were, were men that were from the house. They were his own servants. They knew the house well. They lived there. They worked there. They're part of the family. These are and he has entrusted them with a deposit. Now, the talent, it's a pretty large sum of money that the scholars they differ. You look at a history on this, generally, they guess it's about a year's wage. So, a denari is about a day's wage, and this is about a year's wage. So, between 10 and $30,000 of equal value today, depending on let's just say $50,000 to go buy and sell whatever he's got to do with it. And the second, you know, he's going to entrust them with 20000 And the last one, get got 10000 He's giving them this sum. And it's people that he trusts in the house. He's calling his own servants to him. This aren't some guy on the street. They're people that should know the business, know what he's about, know him very well, and he's going to leave this deposit for them. The Lord trusts them here to carry out His work, whatever that business was. Whatever that work was, they're entrusted with it to carry out the work that has got to be done. And He's going to be gone. Now, if we relate this spiritually, we know the Lord is with us, but is He here physically? Are we not the hands and feet of the Lord, the Scripture says? Are we not the body of Christ, one another? Is there a work that we do for the Lord here? There is. There is work to do. It's just you don't earn salvation. You don't earn righteousness. You are given a deposit, and then we are to work with that. There is a deposit given, and we are to work that while He is gone. The kingdom of heaven is like this it's another way to see it. And He's allowing the servants to invest in the kingdom work. But He gives the investment. Have you ever, this to me blew me away. This Lord is going to go away. He wants the servants to continue the family business, and He doesn't leave them empty-handed. He provides the entire investment they need, and they have to work with it. Did they bring anything to the table here? Not a thing. They were just part of the house. They were part of the family. God said, I'll give you the investment. I'll give everything to you. You go work with it. You go take it. You trade with it. You go and use what I've given. Everything is me. You go and invest it. Whatever he has deposited into our life, that's what we invest. You don't invest anything he hasn't given you. I began to think about Peter. I love Peter. I know all of you, a lot of you do. He's a good man. He's strong. Who's the first guy that pulls a sword and attacks a Roman soldier? A whole there, However many there were there. Peter steps out in front of the Lord with a sword. He is going to fight and die for the Lord. That's a man's man. I'm going to tell you right now, i get behind that guy. I want that guy standing in front of me, amen? He's a leader. He leads on the fishing boat. Fishing's not easy back then. These guys are pulling nets. You ever watched anything on fishing where they're throwing nets out to catch fish? Those guys are raking those nets in, and I don't know where their biceps end, begin, to the neck muscle. They're huge. Those dudes up in Alaska are seriously tough. These fishermen are tough. Peter is got a lot, a lot of ability. He's a natural leader; they follow him. He's strong. Did the Lord build the church on that confession? Not one quality Peter had was even remotely used and when the apostles are preaching the gospel to the new, the early, early church. The Jews that hear them say, who are these unlearned men? They have gone to no schooling. They have been schooled by nobody. Wait, they've been with Jesus, and they're hearing what they know from Jesus. The only thing Peter had to give was the investment that Christ put in him and the confession, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that rock will I build the church, not upon your strength. Peter, not upon your boldness, not upon your ability to stand up in front of a crowd and speak, or to lead men, or to or to stand up and fight. That's not what I'm building on. Nothing that you've brought to the table, Peter, am I gonna build on? In fact, the very second Peter steps in with himself and says, Lord, I rebuke you, you're not gonna die. The Lord says, Get behind me, Satan. When you bring what you have to the table, God doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. He wants that part out. All you can invest is what He's deposited in you. There's no special ability you need. There's no special anointing, present call of God. I'm so tired of that. What God has deposited in you, and that may be an anointing to speak, that may be an anointing to worship, but what He's deposited in you, know God has put that in me. That's what He wants you to trade with, invest with, work in. That's it. Does that take the pressure off a little bit? Some of you young people, you're thinking, what is God going to have me do? I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. I don't know about that. I don't have anything to share. I have nothing to speak. You have a deposit in you. There's been a word of God preached from this pulpit for many of you for many years. And you've got such knowledge of who Christ is. Is it epigenosco yet? Is it experienced? Are you walking in it? Are you out learning more about it, how it how it functions in your life, how the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Are you walking by it, experiencing life through the lens of Christ? Whatever He's put in you, that you've got to take and go with. it. That is your deposit. That is your investment, and that's all you can reinvest back in the kingdom with. Well, I'm a good singer, so I should be a worship leader. No, that's not why. If God puts a deposit in you, because you love to worship from your heart. You love to give God praise. It, 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 then yes, that's something that may be used, but that's not the special anointing is because you were born with an ability to sing. How many celebrities started off in church? How many great singers started off singing gospel music behind pulpits or on stages only to go out and take their ability to the world and just make money on it? That's not a call of God. So the kingdom is not built on your talent built on the investment God has put in you. Are you a miracle of forgiveness in God's grace? I am. I'm a miracle of forgiveness in God's grace. What he has saved me from, what he's washed me clean from, that's a deposit that he's made. That's something that I have that I can take back out and share with somebody else. But first, in my life, that's that's ground to stand on. Before I ever go out and preach the gospel and share with somebody else, I better live Experience God's grace and mercy, and know I'm forgiven. Before I get up every morning and get out that door, I know I'm walking in grace of, in the grace of God. I've got to function within that mentality. Verse sixteen: He who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. This word for received, Pastor Rodney worked on this a few weeks ago. It called called lumbano. The Lord does not arbitrarily make deposits in our life where we sit back and He just pours into us everything and then we we somehow have it all made. He has something for you to receive. These servants that He called and He offered these talents to you, this sum of money, they had to receive it. That word receive is to take a hold of. It's with a purpose. It is, I'm going to take what I'm given here and I'm going to apply it. This is something I'm going to receive to myself. They made it their own. And this first servant received five talents, and and he went and traded with them. This word means continually worked with whatever that deposit was. He worked with it. He didn't stop at five talents that he got back. Well, wait, he was profitable enough, and he stopped. No. He continuously traded. He was buying and selling and working and doing, and his total focus was on that investment that his master had made. Some of you owners of businesses, wouldn't it be nice if you had employees that thought like that? Man, <laughs> amen. I'm paying you eight hours. I, I want eight full hours of work. Would you give it your all these men? Far more than an eight hour job. They took hold and received this investment and it became their life. It became their desire to do everything they could with this investment that their master had given them. It was their heart's cry. It was their and the first one made another five talents. The one took his two and made two more. He received and he worked. After a long time, there was the third one who went and dug in the ground and hid the money. And after a long time, the, the owner came back, the master came back. And the scripture says he came back, verse 19, to settle the accounts with them. You know, this is a story. This is a parable. But Jesus is going to return. He's going to settle some accounts with us. There's been some deposits made in this very church in my life. The Lord's going to show up and say, What'd you do with it? Chris, what did you do with it? You were deposited in this. I had Brother De La Vega for years. I got to learn Greek. I got to sit under Pastor and Pastor Rodney and, and learn some things and experience some things. What'd you do with it? Well, I learned. What did you do with it? Well, I I grew personally. What did you do with it? Hopefully, when the Lord comes back to my account, I've got three daughters that are a talent each. I could say, God, I took that deposit you gave me. I worked with my family. I've got three daughters that love the Lord. i got some sons coming along. But I took some of that deposit and I put it in them. I kept working it. I've got got a guy I work with who I love. Been a brother of mine since freshman year in high school, sophomore year in high school. Hopefully I gave a little deposit back and forth and I took some of his too. There's people I worked with. Did I I deposit some of them? Did I work it? Did I trade? Did every day I get up thinking, God, what can I do for your kingdom? Now I've got to go do a job. I've got to go sell BG products and I've got got stuff to do, but am I kingdom minded? Am I invested first there? I'm going to tell you, there is so many things in this life that gets your total investment. And if you give everything to that, you've got nothing left for the kingdom. It's not left. And this is what I've begun to learn. I've begun to see what it takes to run a successful business and what it takes to be a successful Christian. And the successful Christian is not how much offering I put in the plate. It's not what you all think of me. And I love you. And I want you to think good of me. So don't come and give me all your complaints. But that doesn't matter. What matters is what I did with the deposit that I received from the Lord. What did I do with it? Did I go all in or did I go part way? Did I go all in for my job and then I left a little bit over for the Lord? Did I go all in for the things I want to do and leave a little time for Jesus? What did I do with the deposit he gave to me? And you can still work every day and be totally invested in the kingdom. You can go to your physical job every day. You could do things with your family every day. You could spend time with your family at the park, whatever you do, and be totally invested in the kingdom. But you can also do all of that and be completely ignorant of what God wants to do. The two servants that traded, the deposit was made. The word is continuous work. It's ergozomai. It is working continuously, trading with that deposit. There's a focused concern entrusted to them to bury the deposit that was given. Servant number three, he takes the money given to him and he buries it. Now, now let's read verse 20 and 21. And I got to get to this guy. The first guy, who received the five, brought five others and said, look, Lord, you delivered me these five talents and I made five more. Look, look at what I did. He is excited to show the master what he did. And the second servant is excited to show the master what he did with two. And there's no jealousy. There is no jealousy between the two of them. Why? Because they're part of the same house. But did you catch that at the beginning? These servants were part of the same family, the same house. Guess what? When the one wins, they all win. When the second servant wins, they all win. Now, I may have three talents, I hope for sure, with my daughters and and more coming that I can present to the Lord. Pastor has been entrusted with far more. I don't know if there's anybody here that wouldn't point directly to Pastor Rodney and Pastor and say, those men had something to do with my salvation, finding the Lord. Is there anybody in here that would say they had nothing to do with it? I think everybody here would say they had something to do with my love for Jesus today. They're going to present a lot of talents back to the Lord if if it's people. We wouldn't be here without them. For every one of us, we have two, three, one, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some of you are going to have 10, 20, I don't know. Maybe some of our kids are going to just grow up and do things so amazing and great with a lot of responsibility. But everything we do is amazing and great when it's the kingdom. Because it's what the Lord's looking for. He comes back to the one with five and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the second one who's excited about his too, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the reward is the same for both because you're part of the same house. We all partake in the success of the kingdom, and we all partake equally of the reward. Regardless of whether you're in one position or another position, it's one mind, one accord, and that's the design of God. But we can't help it if churches across this country have perverted that. We can't help it if there are pastors who are evil, greedy, liars, all those things. They exist, but not here. I know it doesn't exist here. It's why we left as well, because I'm not giving up the spiritual family God's given me. And I finally understood what, I testified the other night, when Jesus said, this is my family, this is my mother, these are my brothers, I realized I love my mom. I love my dad. I love family. I I miss them. But I'm not exchanging my spiritual life. And could I find another church? Yes. Could I find where God placed me? No. These servants were of the house of the master. If you understand placement, you understand how you've grown up in a thing, something matters about this, what you're entrusted with, the deposit you've made in one another's lives. But I would argue that every one of us have equally deposited to one another parts of the Lord that we've received. That is irreplaceable in this world. This third servant buries the money. I find this pretty amazing. Um, let's look. Let's look at what the Lord says to him. He said, the the man says to his master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. At least put the money in the bank and gain interest. Think about how foolish this is. There's an actual bank that does produce interest nearby. I don't know if it's a day's journey, half a day, I don't know. He goes and buries it? If somebody gave you $10,000 right now, and you said, man, I'll bet one day, you know, they, they want me to work with this? They want you to come back looking for it? I'll go bury it in the ground. That's foolish. There's a bank just across the street. You can put it in savings and at least gain, you know, your 10 cents a month of interest. Man, I thought you'd get more money off of 10 grand. You don't. Wow. But you would at least go and put that, right? Now think about this guy. He, he's fearful. Out of fear. He says, I was afraid. I knew you'd be a hard man. You reap where you didn't sow. You gather where you did not scatter. You expect all of us to do your work. I knew you'd be a hard man. You know why? He's the guy that founded the business. Jesus paid for this kingdom with blood, sweat, and in tears. He paid that. I started to own a job. There hasn't been too much blood yet, a couple of knuckles scraped, but there's been some tears. Whoa, that paycheck's not any good. There's been some sweat. There's been some standing up on a fuel tanks, Dustin, and hoping to God I don't fall off. Lord, please. This is the guy, this master set this business, made this house what it is hired these men, made them part of the family, part of the house. This guy is wicked. He's been a part of the family, but he's been sitting back for a while. He's the Judas Iscariot. He's with them. He's functioning with them. He's part, he knows the ins and outs of the business. This is the person that's been in church their whole life, and they're there, every service, every time. I mean, you do have to raise your hand, but I think all of us have maybe felt the knife in our back a time or two for some people that are part of the church. Thank God you didn't leave over it. A lot of people do. A lot of people get hurt by someone in church and they leave church. That's not the master. That's a servant like this guy. That's a servant like this who the master says, Look, I pick pick one, two, three. You've been a part of this thing for a long time. Here's an investment. You've got plenty to go out and do. And and he gave this each according to their own ability. He did not overburden any of them. The Lord knows exactly what you can do, he is not going to overburden any one of you. Don't be afraid. He gave five to the one and two to the other, and they were both out working what they could work. I'm, going to, I'm just going to quickly digress. Years ago, my stepdad was part of this church. Remember Mike? My stepdad, I can share this now. He's passed away. Good memory, but Mike did not have a very good ability to understand the Scripture. He just did not. Those of you that know him, but he liked to come to church. And I remember I was so frustrated. One day I was talking to a pastor, and I just was like, I don't know what to do with him. He said, Chris, he can only handle what, what he can handle. He can only understand what he can understand. God's patient with him. Be patient. I thought, wow, isn't that the truth? What God has deposited in me, what God has deposited in you, what you have taken hold of and received along with that, that you have. And experiencing and transferring to your homes and those you're close to and those you work with when the time is available, that you have. You don't have to know the Greek text. You don't have to know all the history of the Scripture. You don't have to know what pastor knows. You don't have to be able to preach like Pastor Rodney. But you've got a deposit, an investment God's put in you that you're responsible for and that you can give. And you are supposed to give it to your household. That needs to be a part of your home and a part of this house. It's got to be a part of what we're doing. But this wicked, lazy servant, he didn't want to work. You know anybody like that? Charlie, you ever have anybody at your grocery store, came to work, didn't want to work? (laughs) You ever get somebody that you hire and you're like, that guy doesn't, they just want to do the work. It's lazy. The wicked part, how dare him take what his master has done in the years before setting up this home and accuse him of saying, you gather where you don't scatter. You, you expect us to do all the work and he don't do a thing. And there the Lord is on the cross, paying a debt you couldn't pay. Bleeding and dying in a sacrifice you could not make. Making a way for you to be a part of His kingdom, something you cannot do or earn. How dare I ever sit back in this church and say, God, I'm just going to hide and bury the deposit you've given me because I'm afraid of what you're going to ask of me or what could happen because you're a hard Lord. And one day you're going to come back and settle these accounts. And what if you come back and say, I didn't do enough. I wasn't good enough. So I'm just going to hide what you've given and call it a day. That's called trampling on the blood of Christ. That's what that's called. Paul warns us of that. So I begin to look at my life and I begin to say, number one, fear is not a reason for an action. It's not a reason. I'm afraid. Okay? What does the Lord say about fear? Fear not. I'm with you. There's so many. You're going to have it happen. I'm out on the job. Dustin and I are looking. And I'm, man, I'm stressing every day. Dude, we don't have enough money coming in. Oh, there's another expense. Oh, there's another expense. Boy, the Lord's like, could you stop complaining? Because I'm doing a work in you. Just stop complaining for a bit and learn. And I beginning to get a little bit afraid. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Where is this leading? What are we going to do? Fear is not an excuse for inaction. The Lord speaks right to that servant. He didn't even address it. Oh, you're afraid? You're wicked and lazy. I'm afraid. We have someone to go to. Go to him. Don't stay in your fear. Go to the Lord. Go right to him. He wants to help us out of those things. He wants to be a rock for us. He wants to be a comfort. He's the comforter, he's the paracletos. He comes alongside of us and he wants to be. Fear is not an excuse for inaction. Amen. We cannot hold back for any reason, not in the kingdom. It's total investment or it's no investment. It's all in or it's none in. You can give all your paychecks to the church. That's awesome. You can do that and give everything. You can give, Paul said, if you don't have love, you can give your body to be burned. If you don't have love, it doesn't matter. You can sit in this church and tithe and give and show up to every service and worship and praise, and go right back out those doors and deposit nothing and invest nothing in the kingdom. But I went to church. That's right. You were part of the house. Servant number three was part of everything the house was doing. He's part of their kingdom. He's at every dinner, at every function. He's working alongside of them. When there's something to be done, he's helping. He's the guy helping put chairs away. He's helping do dinners. He's a part of all those things. But when it came time to do the work, with the investment he was offered, he hid it and God, help me not to ever do that. My reasons would be work. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. God, I don't have time for that. I can't do what you want me to do. Come on, anybody ever said those things in your heart? And the Lord's saying, but I've given you a deposit, and you received it. Did you not take hold of that? Did you not learn that? Put that inside. I want to see it back out. The Master is going to come and settle accounts with me. You don't want to see that on the outside. You don't want to see what I did with it. The reward for serving in whatever capacity you possibly can is the same. We're only responsible for what the, what the word of the Lord is in our own life. That's what we're responsible for. My personal righteousness, filthy rags. In him, I'm found faithful. Amen? God bless you, Pastor.